You know, today I'm going to be talking something similar, um, except just more in your heart, in your attitude, um, which will affect um, what you say. You know, a lot of times people think it's just how, how you think is how it's going to go, but really it's your beliefs that affect your uh, thoughts. What you believe affects your thoughts. And what your thoughts are affect your emotions. And then your emotions then start to spill out into behavior. And I think a lot of times people miss that. I think people really focus on their emotions, trying to satisfy them so they behave differently. And if not, then they go back one step and try to work on their thought life. But really, it's your belief system. It's your core. That's why Jesus isn't the thinking. He's the truth. Amen? That truth will affect your thought life. And that thought life will affect your emotions. They'll make them healthy. And the emotions will then affect your behavior. And you'll start to see yourself do good. That's why religion doesn't work. And that's why God himself works. Amen? I am going to be talking about um, this wisdom of the ages. I'm going to be talking about wisdom in trials. And how to find victory. I promise you, you'll be encouraged by the end of this message. And if, if you listen to what the Word says and the teaching today, you'll get a lot out of it. I wanted to start off with a quick story that Max Lucado gives in his book about trials concerning Chippy the parakeet. How many have heard this before? None of you? Well, you're going to like it. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. But the phone rang. So she turned to pick it up. She barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive, but totally stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him, raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the cold running water. (laughs) Then, realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. (laughs) Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who'd initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. (laughs) She just sits and stares. You know, it, it's, it's hard not to see what it's like to be sucked in and doused in water and blow dried. Because life kind of hits you that way, doesn't it? It hits you that way. And sometimes you feel you're getting sucked into a small tube. And you wake up in this bag. And it feels like that, does it not? And, you know, I, I think in our kind of like... Um, You know, end times culture, probably more of a modern position, people kind of more so see 
the, the tribulation sort of like this end time in Christian circles, you know, it'll happen in the end, like just the seven years of this big giant tribulation will happen. But the early church really saw the entire walk of Christianity as a great tribulation. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you're in North Korea right now and under great persecution, you'd probably think you're in great tribulation, don't you think? I think some of those Christians that are in Afghanistan and other Iraq that are under ISIS, you know, persecution are probably feeling like they're in a great tribulation. The, the word there in the Greek is thlipsis, you know, with a T-H at the beginning, thlipsis. And the word is meta, great, great tribulation. Jesus actually uses that word for us in a common, common terminology, and I'll just get us started off with here. And he said, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. Can everyone say, in me? In me. That's where the peace is, by the way. You want to know where the location is? It's, it's in him. You know, the storm's all around, and there's earthquakes all around, but there is a safety zone that's in Christ. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have thlipsis. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is really at the heart, but I want to get more detailed. About seven weeks or so ago, I, I worked on this scripture with you guys in James um, that says, you know, it says, if anyone needs wisdom, he should turn to God. And I, I kind of launched from there into his direction concerning it. Today, I really felt as I'm starting to wrap up this Wisdom of the Ages uh, series that I want to go into it. I want to start with James 1 and move into that scripture and talk about more of its context so we get a better heart of it. So why don't you start with me? And before I do, I, I want to mention just a few kinds of trials and tribulations that we go. I wrote down a few of them here. And when I say wisdom for trials... God wants us to have his mindset going into a trial and through a trial. I know there's times when I want to move mountains. I want to move my trials out of the way. But God says, I'm taking you through the trial. And he makes me stronger in the midst of it. And I, I promise you there's going to be some killer stuff in here that, that's going to encourage you. And these are the trials that you may have. I just wrote a few of them this, that I've related to here. You, you may have just lost a loved one. And that's a trial. And it, it may be something really small, something quick, a quick trial. You know, like this relationship isn't going very well. Or I don't know about paying a paycheck this week. Or, you know, or getting a paycheck or paying my bills. It could be something small. You haven't been able to trust God or just life circumstances. There's no business. The economy's not hitting you right. It could be just a relational problem, something short, something quick. Or it could be a long one or a big one. You know, you might be facing a test that determines your future. You know, if I go this way, this is what my future looks like. If I go this way, you know, then this is my future. Such a big decision. What do I do? It becomes a trial. You might be terribly sick or have someone, a loved one that you have who's sick. And it just hits your family super hard. And, and now you're in the midst of it. You're dealing with it. You're dealing with doctors and medication and all that stuff. And it's just hitting you hard. And, and you're starting to see mortality you know, rise and realize that you're not going to live on this earth forever. Your body decays, you know, and you're thinking, Lord, is there victory for me? Am I going to get through this? You know, how am I going to deal with the pain? How am I going to deal with the suffering? You might be in the middle of a terrible breakup, you know. <laughs> There's nothing worse sometimes than just being in a relationship that's gone sour, 
It's in, there's brokenness and you're trying to fix it. You're trying to reconcile it and just the love's not coming back. And I know how devastating that can be. You may have been rejected by people around you, friends. And you're thinking, how am I going to connect? Where's my support going to be? You know, some people have been disappointed by churches. You know, the church staff didn't come through. People in your small group didn't go through. You know, guess what? Church is full of people. Have you realized that? <laughs> right? How many have been disappointed in churches before? Come on. Not our church. Of course not. We're the perfect church. But I'm talking about the other ones. I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's another one is a trial of loneliness. You know, you feel like you're walking alone. You, you haven't really built the skills to have friends or people have abandoned you. Another one is you might be at a stage in life where there's not much hope for the future. You're thinking, Lord, I, I don't know what my life is going to be about. And, 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 it, and it, you might have just had a significant failure. You just blew it big time. And now how do I get back up? Maybe you disappointed your family, your friends. You just disappointed yourself. And now you're in this big trial. And you're kind of thinking, gosh, I deserve whatever I get. Maybe you do. But maybe Christ can redeem you and restore you. Maybe God is the God of hope like he says he is. And he takes broken people and he makes them whole. Maybe your next objective is not to go fix yourself, but to seek the God who is the fixer, who is the healer, who is the redeemer of your soul. And you might be wondering what your purpose is and why you're here. And this is, you know, the life quest. There's many people that walk around with purposelessness. And, you know, I, I see around my life and people I know and people, you know, whether at distance or close, we've seen movie stars recently with Robin Williams who, who've, who've lost their life and lost them to mental illness and also to personal despair. You're not going to find hope outside of God. I, I know that's a hard thing to say, but you're, you were made for a purpose. I'm not talking about just religion. Like come to our church so you can find hope. I'm talking about God. God himself. That God made you for a reason. And if you're trying to find it in the things that the world offers, there's no hope there. It will always be disappointing. God, how many say God has the answer? Come on. God has the answer. And let's, let's walk through this. Let's walk through James the beginning. And then I'll be deviating a little bit from it, but I'll stick mostly to it. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And by the way, do you know that we are part of those 12 tribes, that we've been, we've been grafted into an inheritance, that we are the seed of Abraham? How many say amen? amen. This is the promises of Galatians. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces. Can everyone say produces? It produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature. And complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should get a computer and type google.com. And it will tell you everything you need to know. And you'll have techies from around the world give you answers to your problems. And they'll be gone. 
praise to Google and Yahoo. Long shall they live. Actually, it doesn't say that, does it? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault? And it will be given to you. I just preached on this. I won't spend a lot of time on that. But how many think we could hear that one again? Come on. And it says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because, and if any of you have been a surfer, you know the waves, man. They take you up and down. I, I, I grew up right near the beach. And, you know, it's like, man, you start to have dreams after you've been on the waves. And, you know, I used to swim way out there, like a half a mile, a mile, out past the waves. And, and, and you don't realize how powerful the ocean is. And until you, all of a sudden, you start to see the tide move you over and the people that you're with that are on the shore, they stay there and you're like a half a mile, mile down in a short amount of time. And you realize, wow, these waves are powerful. Oh man, if the tide's right, it can pull you and suck you right into the ocean. You know, I mean, seriously, it can. And you get double-minded. It, it's, it's a, it, the double-mindedness is a debate within yourself. It's doubting. Two, two people in you doubting. I think God can. I think he can't. I think he can. He loves me. Uh, he, he loves me not. If you ever wonder if God loves you, there's the answer. Amen? Don't go to your feelings. Well, I wonder if I felt something really loving, a kiss on my cheek this morning. God can give you a nice kiss on the cheek. That's bigger. That's eternity with God. That means God's paid for every one of your sins because he cares about you. And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They shall not corrupt. They shall not become mortal but immortal. You're going to love the ending of this sermon because it's true and it's powerful. The one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not, will not, cannot expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because they won't believe it. They're not believing it. It's back and forth. God will still work, but but they won't be expecting it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like their valleys are deep and long. Man, God wants you to be strong. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's say, starts with what? One more time. It starts with? Attitude, attitude. The Bible talks a lot about attitude. And it's not just a conjured up, and I've got to feel right. It's a, it's a spirit-empowered attitude. It comes from a supernatural place. It's bigger than your self-attitude. It's God's attitude. It's like when he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. It's his joy that you enter in. You don't go, I want to be happy like God is happy. No, God, what are you happy about? engage with God and you'll see that you serve a happy, joyful, powerful God. Amen. Amen. You think God's up there right now going, God, I want to talk to you. What? Do you think God's like that? Think about the powerful living God who's got everything in his hands. Trust me, he's doing great today. Amen. Amen. All right, it starts with attitude. And here's, here's James's, he gives uh, his exhortation. He just says the same thing that Peter says, and he says the same thing that Paul says. It's a redundant echo in the text. Consider it pure joy. The word there is pas, 
for pure. It, you could, and if you have an ESV, it says all joy. And basically all joy, it's either pure joy or all joy. It's a complete joy. When you're going through trials, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of different kinds, you're going to come and sometimes they come big and kapow. You know, sometimes you're just a little, oh, why am I going through this emotional ripple? You know, I feel like I'm getting betrayed. And you, you walk through something, you know, and, and sometimes they're long and sometimes it's just quick. But when you face them, his advice is count it pure joy. Okay. How many say amen? This is why it starts with the attitude. It starts with how you think about it. Because you, you, when you get to the end of the scripture, I promise you, you'll be encouraged because you're going to see that there's a reason that you need to count it all joy from the beginning. Because I know that, I'll, you know, I'm no different than you. I'll go through the same, you know, I've grown a ton in trials and I don't want to say I'm perfect in this, but God has grown me so much in this. I used to, as soon as the trial come, I'd go, oh my gosh, and blah, blah, negativity and blah, complaining, you know, because that always helps, doesn't it? How many of you know that doesn't help at all, right? And it, first of all, it lacks leadership. It lacks faith. It lacks character. It shows negativity. You know, it shows that you're not ready to be a leader of any kind because you you're not going to win. No one wants to follow losers everywhere. Hey, how's it going? Terrible. We're going to fall in a pit. We're all going to die. Follow me, man. Right behind you. And you wonder why your kids are, don't have confidence in you. Right? You sit at the dinner table. The kids go, how's it going? We can't pay our bills. Life's terrible. You know, we're all going to die. Your kid goes, yeah, I need special education at school, you know, on depression. You know? Come on. Do we want to rise above this? If it's not going to start with us, where is it going to start? Right? Amen? This is where the judgment starts with the house of God. It's not the judgment. It's not katakrino of an eternal judgment. It's a judgment of refining fire. It's, it proves genuine. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a fire that refines to find the gold, to find the pure stuff. This is what it does. It's not God going, I'm giving everyone trials. It's us being in a world full of sinful man and trials around us. And God goes, I will use everything. Everything for good. How many say Amen. James 5.11 says, as you know, this is James later in the chapter, we count as blessed those who have, say it with me, persevered. Those are the ones that have, you know, it's hupamon. It's the, the trial that has produced something and brought out an effect. You have heard of Job's perseverance. And Job's like the, the terrible example in scripture. Because he's like, the worst trial of the worst possible case, the worst scenario possible. And God's going, watch Job. And Job says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> right? And it says, but look at what the Lord finally brought about. He says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And it doesn't seem like when you're reading it. When you're reading it, you're going, oh, poor Job. And then you go, Lord, is everyone going to live like Job? When's my Job trial? But God's saying, I got this. God's got this, even for Job. Even for Job, who, who was walking with God regularly in faith, trusting in Christ in the future by offering sacrifice. How many say amen? Listen, Job, listen, Job's response. He says, when God has finished with me, 
I shall shine as gold. Amen? That's Job. And he says, man, I've stayed on God's path. And trust me, God was constantly moving on the path. Job started complaining. He had his friends around him bugging him, telling him, well, if you were really trusting God, none of this would have happened to you. And they were getting on him all kinds of ways. You know? And nothing, you have friends like that? Right? Around you? Man, if you would have just done this. And there are times when you do stupid things. Isn't that true? How many have done stupid things? How many know other people who have done stupid things? Just point at them right now. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> That's right. Some of you guys pointed like this. You guys are double-minded. Me too. Me too. All my personalities get along. Listen, he, he says, I followed his ways. I'm not turned aside. I've not departed from his commands, and I've treasured his words. Listen, when trials come, we don't need to pretend. Amen? Amen. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to have some kind of self-hypnosis. We need to see things through the eyes of faith. Okay, number one, it starts with what? One more time. One more time. Come on. Attitude. Count it all joy. Count it pure joy when you're going through trials. It doesn't end there, but it's saying start there. Count it joy. Why? Because he's going to tell you. Number two, because testing produces. Okay? Starts with attitude, then testing with production. God doesn't give us testing, allow us to go through testing and just kind of wither under testing. Sometimes you get the same trial two or three times. If you realize that your attitude stinks, eh, you'll go another round. Isn't that how it works sometimes? And sometimes you just go another round and you get more mature and complete. He says, you know that the testing of your faith, it produces, right? Dokiman. It proofs. It, it refines to the end. Dokiman. It, it, it makes, don't think Pokemon, okay? Come on. It's like that. It, it's, a, it's a Dokemon. It, 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 it presses together and proves what is real, okay? And then, and then the word uh, that I just used before, katergazomai, which is perseverance. It, it produces or it brings a result. The, the testing of your faith, the trial that you're going through, the trial, the tribulation, it produces and brings out, okay, something of a result. How many say amen? So it doesn't do it. It's not a waste of your time. It produces something on purpose. Now, when you're in the midst of the trial, it doesn't seem like it, right? You don't think you're getting any better. It's just like pain, misery. And then if you're like me, I go, I guess God's mad at me, right? And you don't realize that God is on your side. Listen, if God wanted to count your sins against you, he could. But the Bible says he throws our sins as far as the east is to the west. Right? Not because he's just generous, but because he has paid for them on the cross. They have been paid for. Amen? Now, when you're in the trial, there's the old story about the old man who had an old dog that fell down an old well. And, and the dog fell in. He was really old. And the old man was old. He lived on a farm that was pretty isolated. And he, I mean, miles and miles away from the next town, he was thinking, how am I going to get this dog out? So finally, in despair, he just kind of gave up. 
And he says, I, I don't think I can get this dog. I can't afford to get my dog out. He's so old. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to bury the well. I'm going to bury my dog and say goodbye. So he just took this, he took his tractor and he just took this big old chunk of dirt and he just chucked it into the well. He just began chucking the dirt in. And he just chucked in again and he just chucked it in all the way through, just all the way till it was totally buried. He just was, you know, crying, worried about his dog, but he said, I've got to go. I can't save my dog. What he hadn't realized is the dog had the dirt fall on him and then the dog just shook it all off. And then he dropped more dirt. The dog just shook it off. By the time he got to the top, there was his dog staring right at him. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that old dog. Don't you? It seems like you're getting buried by life. You know, and if you have any claustrophobic, you know, it's like you don't want to be buried. You don't want to be under something. It's like you shake it off and all of a sudden you don't realize you're moving on up, right? God's got us. God uses trials, and I'll just give a couple examples. He gives examples through trials, okay? We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is, can everyone say, for your benefit, it's your benefit so that the grace, God sees the redemption that's happening to you, it starts to reach more and more people. You know, we have, we have several people that are in the hospital. Some people are too hospitalized or too, you know, injured right now or sick or weak. They can't come to church. You know, we have different people and small groups that go visit them. It's amazing what a testimony is. We had an Eileen, an 80 or 82-year-old woman at our church, um, and she she was with us for a long time, and we went to go see her. She broke her back, and we, and this lady was one tough old lady, and we so we went. We brought our family over there, and we were sitting there going, "How you doing?" She goes, "I'm doing good, Pastor," and I go, "Well, that's good. That's good. How you doing?" She goes, "I'm leaving this lady to the Lord," <laughs> and I go, "Well, how's it going?" She goes, "Good." God's got me. I can't move, though. <laughs> I, I was thinking of all the attitudes I'd had that week. And I was thinking, now she probably thought I was there for her. I'm the pastor coming to visit you. How you doing? But how many know that God used her for me? And, and, and I go, how's the lady over there? And she goes, well, she's kind of got a bad attitude. I'm praying for her. And it's funny, this, this, the one lady was on the other side, oh, come on, more pain medication. This gal's on the side. She goes, I'm fine. God's got me. Just got a broke back. <laughs> she literally could not move and had this feisty attitude. She, she died two years later. She ended up moving to, with her family in California, and I got a call from her daughter, and she said, man, she was feisty to the very end. You know, there's something about attitude through trials that can be a testimony to others. Amen? Amen. And, and there is faith through trials as well. And this is why he continues in this Second Corinthians. He says, we don't lose heart. Amen? Amen? Because outwardly, guess what? We're fading away. When you, if you're in your 14, if you're 14, 15, 16, you don't really realize it. But when you start to get in your 50s, your 60s, and 70s, things don't work as well as they used to be. Right? 
My doctor, you know, I had surgery on my knee a couple years ago, and then they looked at it again, and I go, so how's it new? And he goes, well, eventually you're going to have to replace them. You did a lot of sports. And I go, yeah, I did. And I go, you have to replace my knees? And he goes, yeah. He goes, unless you lose weight, then it'll be easier. You can probably get an extra couple years out of them. And I go, why does it always come back to that? (laughs) Seriously. Like there's a conspiracy in heaven. I think the angels are talking about it right now. Outwardly, we're wasting away, aren't we? You might think you're evolving. Think again, you're devolving. (laughs) If you think your cells are replicating to produce some new exciting information, you're wrong. (laughs) You could take that fairy tale and just flush it down the toilet. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, Hebrew says it, on Christ. We fix our eyes on the things that are not seen, right? Because the trial is right in front of you. It's like Moses. He's leading the children out of Egypt, and he looks behind him, and he's getting chased from the rear, so you can't go back. And you're going, okay, Lord, I I should have stayed. We should have, at least Egypt took care of us. And then you go, but I got to go forward now because they got chariots and they're chasing us. And then you look forward, and there's a big Red Sea blocking you. And you got no path going forward. And this is where Moses holds up his hands, and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And sometimes we need to see the saving power of God. And we're in the midst of a trial. We try everything we can. And trust me, I am just like you. I will try stuff out, and I go, God, it's this. And I'll even pray and start telling God the things he needs to do. You ever do that? You tell God, God, if you do this and you do that and you do that, we'll be good. And God goes, what? I didn't hear anything you said. I'm doing this. And it's like you finally listen to the Lord. And the Lord's like, I got this. And God's always got this. Amen? Listen, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit is like the refining fire. He is burning away the desires of the flesh. How many know your flesh wants a bunch of stuff? Have you noticed that? When you became became a Christian, did it all of a sudden radically change? No, but when I got my pastoral license, when I got ordained, as soon as I got the certificate, the sin just disappeared. It was gone. It came with the certificate. It was amazing. I opened the certificate. It says, Dear Reverend Eric Van Ree. I went, bam. And I heard these angels went, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I went outside. I walked on the water. Granted, it was winter, but it was amazing. (laughs) How many know you still struggle with stuff, right? Because God is still carrying you through trials. And Paul was going through trials. He wrote Romans 7 when he was like 20 years in the Lord. You know, there's a struggle there. And, and, and First Peter says it this way. I, he, he says that this is a proof through trials. He says these trials, he gives the same descriptions of the perseverance and completeness and maturity and wholeness. And he says they've come so that the proven genuineness, okay, this is the refining fire. This is where you get fool's gold disappears. You know, you could be as tough as you are. I'm tough and everything's ready to go. A trial hits you and you go, ah! right? And, and you become your baby self. 
Your formal beliefs of what you believe become functional beliefs. I believe God. That's my formal belief. He's great and mighty. And then when it happens to you, you go, ah, where's God? Is there a God? Where is he? <laughs> Jesus loves you. I know that. Oh, does God like me? Where is he? Right? Functional. These are, prove the genuineness of your faith. They're of greater worth than the gold. They are better than the gold. They're better than the cash. They're better than the stock options, right? They're better than the shares of stock. They're better than the silver. They're better than the commodities. They're better than your real estate because they will take you through everything. It says they perish. And it says, but your faith, although these other things which perish, even though refined by fire, this genuineness of your faith will result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Do you know that a lot of Christ's revelation is going to be through you? Do you realize that? That this hope of glory is Christ in you? It's not just him coming, and he is coming. But there's also a revelation of him in your life that changes you. God wants you to find that peace. He wants you to be complete and mature, not lacking anything. Amen? Okay, number three. The effect is invincibility. This is really, if you get this, this will save you so much time in your Christian walk. It starts with attitude. Number two, testing then begins to produce. It produces, it gives production. Testing your faith works. Do I hear amen? amen? The effect is invincible. Now you're thinking, how, that, how can that be? All you have to do is look at this scripture and understand it. And listen to James's plea. This is not a person who was unfamiliar with trials. He's saying, listen, let the perseverance finish its work. Let it, count it all joy. Why? Because the trial is going to come. It's going to try to prove the genuineness, not just so you become a better believer, so that you become more dependent on God and the reality of who you really are shines to the front and not the flaws and the stuff that tries to protect yourself, but the genuineness of the creation God made you to be rises to the surface in the image of God. And it says, so let it finish its work. How many say amen? amen. Let it finish its job so that you can be mature, okay, and complete. There's that word, teleon, you know, a completeness. Jesus says it on the cross. You know, it is finished. Let it be completed. Let it finish so it's mature and it's complete and it's not lacking anything. There's a, there's a progress there. There's, there's a trial and a perseverance, um, and a, which makes maturity and completeness, lacking nothing. I put it up right here. Listen, trials come, life's test, and the perseverance comes so that you find, say it with me, strength. Strength, there's a perseverance is strength, longevity, toughness. You know, I, I love watching football, and you watch the players at the beginning of training camp and mini camp and all that stuff, and they're soft. But as you get through the season, there's a toughness that comes about. They do it on purpose. That's just sports, something simple. 
And you got to make sure you get rest too, because God doesn't keep you in trials forever. He gives you breaks. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and he works with you. You get a perseverance and then a maturity, a, a, a completeness, a thorough, it's organic. It comes from your life, a competency. It's a, it's a completeness. It's a totality. It's a wholeness. Don't you want to have life tests make you strong and tough? Don't you want them to give you a mental and emotional and spiritual competence that starts with belief and moves to your thought life and then moves to your emotional life and then moves into the way that you finally behave? That God would change things, that you can truly be a leader in the family that directs and conducts these affairs with justice and righteousness. Because it's not you, it's God's power. And that you become lacking nothing. Think of the promise of Jesus. I came to give you life abundant, not needy, abundant, generous, purposeful. I don't want to give. How will you possibly come into the image of God without giving? The very nature of God pouring into you is so that you can give it out. Do you think I came here empty? I come full of the Spirit. I could keep it to myself, but it has to come out. Because it is what the Lord gave me. It's a gift. And it moves through the channel of my life into your life and the things that you get from the Lord in the same way that pour into your personality and character and it increases the measure of who you are and then it pours out into a world that is starving for the life of God. How many say amen? Listen, abundance, generosity. This is not, you know, you know, blab it, grab it theology. You know, name it, claim it. You just name the good things you want and just all the promises. This is truth. Trials are tough. They make you complete, mature, lacking nothing. That's what they do. That's the promise. Or do you want this? Trials, a cushy, not football, nerf ball, life. Is that what you want? Man. You know, maybe if I get enough money, I could just spend my way out of trials. This is a heartache. I'll buy my way out. You think that's going to work? Good luck. See, the thing with rich people, they know money's not the answer. That's why poor people tend to be more greedy. Because they don't realize that money's not the answer. How many say amen? So they're still looking for it. The rich man, he's already got the money. He's going, this doesn't, this doesn't help me. Not that money is no good, but without, for the sake of the kingdom, it's just emptiness. Listen, trials that aren't there become a cushy nurse ball, nerf ball life, which make weakness and apathy. Okay? Instead of perseverance, you're weak. You crumble under the trial. The minute it gets too big, oh, you know, you have to talk this thing out. I can't talk it out. You have to push in the relationship. It's tough now. You got to push it out. I can't. Your kid needs to know right from wrong. Go tell him in love. I don't know if I could. They might not like me. Weak, apathetic, doesn't make completeness. It makes incompleteness. It makes ignorance. You're not complete. You don't have wholeness. It's impotent. There's no virility to it. There's no power. There's no fruitfulness. 
I don't know if I can say these words in church, but I just did. So, But they mean something. Not lacking nothing but needy. Insufficient. Listen, I, I don't give this part of it to depress you. This is not your destiny. It's not. Just say it with me. Say, it's not my destiny. This, is not, this isn't the promise. This isn't the promise he gives. And by the way, if you can't make it, then you'll really fail. Good luck. See you in the next chapter. God, he doesn't say this. He says, don't worry. When the trials come, count it joy. It's going to produce. It's going to make something. It's going to per- produce perseverance, which is the power, right? And then it's going to make strength, longevity, toughness. It's going to make you thoroughly organic, competent, comprehending, knowledgeable. It's going to make you strong. It's going to make you pure gold. You can handle anything in any situation. And you won't be lacking anything because you're going to be generous. You're going to be abundant. You're going to be overflowing. The Spirit fills us and overflows. How many say amen? Amen. Listen, and here's the scripture I, I started with last time. Now you know it's beginning. If any of you lacks wisdom, think of the trials that we just talked about. You don't know what to do? You don't know what you're doing? Hey, welcome to the club. You should ask God. Who gives how? Generously. Say say it one more time. Think about that. He gives generously. He has so much wisdom. He gives generously to all. Have you ever been in a situation where you dreaded to ask somebody for something because you knew they were going to rub it in your face? Right? As soon as you tell them, go, hey, I need that. And they go, yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit first. Come here, hold on. Like, oh, what? Well, you really messed that up, didn't you? Yeah, thank you for rubbing me and my face in the dog poo. That was really helpful. Paul says, I didn't get the authority to tear people down, but to build them up. He gives to all without finding fault. And I said this when I preached this, but it's real simple. It will be given to you. And you'll know what to do. The warning is simple. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. This isn't, this isn't one of those things where God's going, you better believe and not doubt, okay? Because then you won't get it. This isn't, this isn't an immature God talking. What God is saying here is, when you're believing, then you're expecting. Right? Be, because, and it's the truth. So believe that I'll come through because I will and I can. And, and so the man who doesn't believe is double-minded. He's, he has an argument within himself. God can. Uh, no, he can't. Uh, yeah, God loved me. He died, but, uh, but maybe he didn't. You know? It's like back and forth. That man cannot, will not, should not, won't expect anything. Because he's not believing God, he's not expecting. Listen, just say it with me. Say, I'll believe. It's, it's not hard. It's not a big faith thing. Just, I'll believe God. I'll believe him. And I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to trust him. And I'm not going to doubt. That man won't see anything from God. Why don't you close your eyes? But by the way, how many, how many got something out of this? Listen, honestly, if you really did get something from the Lord, this isn't for me, Eric. Thank you for delivering it. I want you to acknowledge it to God. Higher, put your hand higher. 
And just what we're saying to God is we're saying, Lord, I heard you. And just pray it with me. Just say, Lord, I heard you. Apply it to my life. Lord, I want to count it all joy when I face trials. You're going to produce stuff in me. And it's going to be good. Because God is good. All his ways are righteous. You're on my side. Thank you for saving me. And this is, just keep your hand up. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Can you thank God? You say, Lord, thank you for dying for my sins. That you're not going to count them against me. Because they're not there anymore. You've paid for them. They're gone. Thank you. My debt's paid in full. I appreciate that, Lord. Now I want to, in my own volition, in my regenerated heart, I want to follow you. I want to know your ways. And I bless your name. Can I have the base camp leaders come forward? These these are some of the leaders from our base camp ministry, which is a, a ministry there here for you. It's a servant ministry to help you in your walk with God, to give you some guideposts to say, walk this way, walk that way. The Bible talks about the gift of teaching and leading. It's not a Lord and over you mentality. It's a leadership. It's a come alongside like the Spirit. The word Holy Spirit there, it's got a name, paraclete, you know, by means of comfort. God brings you to the truth. He guides you there. And if you need prayer or you want to connect to that ministry, come see them afterwards and they'll be there available for you. And Father, I thank you for your mercies that are new every day. Lord, bless my wife as she's at Mountain Life Church today. Bless that church, Lord, as they're getting, they're growing over there this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, for our congregation here, the people congregating together, that you'd pour an extra blessing upon them. There's some of you right now that you have a deep emotional need. Will you just raise your hand to God? God wants to meet you right now. I promise you, he does. Just raise your hands to him out there. And just say, Lord, fill my heart. Fill my emotions. Just let let him pour into you. He wants to pour into you. He's not holding back. Trust me. Pour into my spirit, Lord. Fill me with your life, Lord. Pour your spirit. There's some that need it real deep. You need a deep cleanse from the Lord. I just sense it in my spirit. Let the Lord fill you right now. God's saying, I'm not just pouring into you now. I'll be pouring into you all day long today. Let me just pour into you. Let me really drench you with the rain and the rhema from heaven. Let him pour it out, Lord. Pour it out into my spirit, into our hearts. And I thank you for your life, Lord, that you love us. And you know us, Lord. You know our weakness and our flaws. Give us strength, Lord. We need more than a clever message and some clever scriptures put together. We need your power to change our hearts, not just for today and as we walk through the day, but we need a transformative work, Lord, that will change the way we live life. So I pray you change our belief structure so that it affects our thoughts, which will heal our emotions and change our our actions. We trust in you. We put our hope in you. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Hey, how many are encouraged this morning? Amen. May the Lord walk with you in power. Okay, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend with you if you know someone who needs some guidance. We love you.